up, nerds? This is Speculative Friction, my bite-sized spin-off podcast on the nonfiction side of romance novels. I'm your only host, Abby Cole. But don't worry, Marcus and Sarah will be back next week. Uh, unless finishing Sarah's dissertation literally kills her, which we have not yet ruled out. Today I'm going to talk to you one last time about the Viscount who loved me. And the nonfiction topic is Pall Mall, a game similar to Croquet. The Pall Mall scene in The Viscount Who Loved Me takes place at the country house party I mentioned last week. This is before the Thunderstorm and Bee incidents. Basically, a number of the Bridgerton siblings invite Kate and her sister Edwina to play Pall Mall with them. This is partly because Colin is full-on scheming to get Anthony and Kate together, uh, because in the books he is, like, mischievous and knows what's up, unlike in the show where he is just, like, a fully empty-headed doofus. A well-meaning fully empty-headed doofus, but yeah, doofus nonetheless. Anyway, they're picking out their mallets and Kate picks out the black one, which is quote-unquote the black mallet of death, so-called by Anthony, and it's supposed to be Anthony's. Apparently, Anthony is always supposed to have the black mallet, but Kate gets it. And Anthony gets there last, and he gets stuck with the pink mallet, uh, and he's very upset by this because he's like, ooh, so girly. Anyway, Kate kind of sucks at the game, but Anthony doesn't take any pity on her. He's like deliberately fucking with her. Um, And he does this by, like, knocking her ball way off course uh, in a stroke that I will later come back to in terms of calling it, like, tight croquet, but we'll get back to that later. She retaliates by fully knocking his ball into a lake, even though it means sacrificing any chance of her subsequently being able to win the game. Then he goes into the lake and she brings him a towel and he's like, I'm not only a bad person. And she's like, I know. And then she's like, I'm not only a bad person. And he's like, I know. Anyway, this is sort of a classic enemies to lovers trope of like them having a a brief glimpse of one another's shared humanity, which like, let's be real, half the time these happen, it's like when one or more of the parties involved is like soaking wet. I'm pretty convinced this is because like all Gen X and millennial hopeless romantics like imprinted like baby ducklings on Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy swimming in a pond. Uh, but I digress. Anyway, let's talk about Pall Mall. Pall Mall? From the French Pelmel? I don't know. I wish Sarah was here to fuck it up so that I didn't have to. Uh, this is originally from the Italian Palamaglio. Pala meaning ball and maglio meaning mallet. This is an obsolete game of French origin and it sort of resembles croquet. Now, this is all I could find anyone agreeing on. When I was doing research on Palmol, it's like an absolute shit show. It's an old ass game and every source I read presented me with like a new theory of its origin and its timeline and the size and shape of mallets. Everything was contradictory. It was a mess. So I'm going to present you with a few tidbits and theories, um, and then we'll get into croquet, which has a little more concrete evidence. One historical description I found of Pall Mall was cited in two places, but attributed to two different people, which speaks to, again, the sort of wild nature of trying to piece together anything concrete about this game. Anyway, this historical description described it as, quote, a game wherein a round bowl is with a mallet struck through a high arch of iron, standing at either end of an alley, which he that can do at the fewest blows or at the number agreed upon wins. This game was heretofore used in the long alley near St. James's and vulgarly called Pell When did Pall Mall come to England? I've seen varying accounts. Uh, one source I found said that it came to England from France somewhere in the early to mid-17th century, 
I also found another source said that Mary, Queen of Scots, introduced it to England in the late 16th century, which, by the way, apparently was, like, used of evidence of her complicitness in her husband's murder, uh, because, like, apparently right afterwards she was, like, out playing Pall Mall outside of her castle, and they were like, oh, you're not sad about your husband's death. You must have killed him. I don't fucking know. There's now, like, a famous London street named Pall Mall, because it used to be a big lawn alley thing for playing this game, which further hampered my research because you get like cigarettes and you get like the street and I had to go digging for the dumb game that nobody has written down. Anyway, the fact that it's like played on a big grass lawn or alley is where the term mall comes from, like the mall in Washington, D.C. So now I know that. I've always wondered. Here you go. The mallets for Pall Mall resemble those used in croquet, but the heads are curved. The ball is made of boxwood, and I saw the size of this, like, somewhere between two and six inches, depending on uh, which source I was looking at. Usually this game is played in, like, an alley, or, like I said, on a very long lawn. The length of this varies. Um, the one at St. James was close to, apparently, 800 yards long. However, as far as I can tell, this game wasn't actually that popular, and apparently playing it dropped off well before croquet became popular. Some sources that I found said it was played into the early 1800s, which is when The Viscount Who Loves Me takes place. Other sources say that it dropped off before that, so who knows. Also, in The Viscount Who Loved Me, the game takes place all over a big yard, not in an alley or like on a straight, wide, expansive lawn. The mallets and balls are different colors, and there are multiple wickets. So in this way, it actually bears a lot more resemblance to croquet. Pall Mall doesn't actually make a lot of sense in the context of the Viscount who loved me, although croquet didn't become popular until the Victorian era. So it's kind of hard to say what exactly this game is that they're playing in the book. The sense that I get is that it's a little hand-wavy history stuff, or else Julia Quinn has some information that I do not, but anachronism is her prerogative, so nobody gets shitty about it because it's speculative fiction. And as a matter of fact, there's not even real evidence that Croquet necessarily came from Pall Mall. I think she was maybe just trying to be kind of fancy. Who cares? So Croquet. You hit colored balls through wickets, or hoop things, on a lawn. It might be from Pall Mall, it might be from Ireland. I don't super care because what I want to talk about today is an article that I found called Cheating Gender Roles and the 19th Century Croquet Craze. This article is by John Sterngas. Thank you, John, for this incredible article. Basically, it's about croquet and feminism. And in fact, the ethos that he describes here in this article tends to match up more with uh, the sort of role this scene plays in The Viscount Who Loves Me anyway. I really would love for you all to read this article because I'm definitely not going to have time to get into all of it today since, you know, it's kind of an extensive one. But it's just like absolutely incredible stuff. The information for this article will be in the episode description. Anyway, this article is mostly about the U.S., but since Julia Quinn is an American author, I think that's sort of, you know, relevant. I don't know. Plus, it's just cool stuff. So, croquet became really popular, especially in mixed-gender groupings, as an outdoor sport in the 1860s. It was something that women were allowed to play with men, and it became incredibly fashionable. As it became more and more fashionable, it became, like, an aesthetic in, like, advertisements and fashion magazines. There were, like, all these pictures of women playing croquet because... You know, apparently they looked good doing it. Nowadays, it's thought of as something that's sort of like genteel and refined. But at the time, this was absolutely not the case. There were like people betting on it and it was seen as sort of a scandalous thing to be doing. 
The reason for this is that, as uh, Sterngast says, the, quote, novel idea that men and women could play together, whether at archery, roller skating, mixed bathing, or croquet, raised the specter of extreme sexual danger for women, unregulated by traditional social norms. Uh, so yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, you can do stuff near men. Uh-oh, I guess? But yeah, the sexual tension stuff is definitely a part of it in the book, right? Charlotte Young, an author of The Clever Woman of the Family in 1865, called croquet an engine for flirtation. Um, women started cutting their dresses shorter when they were playing it. Another magazine says it was a, quote, source of slumbering depravity, a veritable Frankenstein monster of recreation. Most rule books had something about keeping your temper in them, which obviously Anthony and Kate are not good at doing, as <laughs> evidenced by most of the book, but also by the sort of vindictive nature of Kate fucking Anthony up just because he's done it first. Although I guess it's kind of, he does it first because she gave him the pink mallet, a true insult to his masculinity. Related to this being difficult to keep your temper is that the Philadelphia Evening Bulletin called it the destroyer of lifelong friendships and a ruiner of happy homes. In the late 1800s, as this became more popular, a game called Tight Croquet developed. This is when you're allowed to put your foot on your ball and smash somebody else's away. Pictures of this from the time, according to Sterngas, have, quote, visually dominant and athletic women outnumbering subservient or passive men which could be interpreted as an act of symbolic castration. Absolutely fucking incredible. And indeed, when Kate hits the ball into the lake, everyone's like, ah, yes, Kate wins, even though she absolutely didn't. Because the goal here isn't necessarily to win the game, but rather to beat your opponent in some more abstract sense. A little later on, in the 1890s, cheating on the part of women became like a whole feature of the game, uh, including like using their feminine wiles, hiding balls with their big skirts so they can sort of like scooch it along the ground to somewhere they'd rather the ball be placed, or like accidentally moving it by dragging their skirts on the ground, quote unquote, <laughs> as an accident. And it became like this whole thing where people were like, oh my god, women are being so terrible and corrupted by this game. And indeed, it became sort of the assumption that women were simply better at this game. Another writer from the time says as follows. Ladies, be honorable and reform this trick altogether, for in most cases, you do not need these little helps. You are generally better players than men. You play more frequently than they do. Besides, your nerves are steadier, and croquet is more the business of life with you than with them. Surely, these are advantages enough. Why then take any unfair ones? I'll tell you why. It's because Kate loves to win, and Anthony loves to be beaten. And that's my expert opinion. <laughs> <laughs> 